As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, my brothers and sisters. I was uh, confronted by a woman the other day. You were admonished? I was, no, no, not at all, not at all. She was like, <laughs> we listen to your program. So I am now saying welcome, brothers and sisters, to Brothers in Arms. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are so happy to be here with you guys on this Friday, January 3rd, 2020, the third decade of the millennia. What happy New Year. What is going on? Yeah. Yes, crazy, crazy, amazing stuff. Today's my birthday. Billy, happy yes, birthday. I, I share that and in common with Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien and Mel Gibson, so it's all, all of our birthdays. And, and it's a, it's a uh, milestone birthday for you as it well. Is, it is a milestone. The big 5-0. Uh, exactly. As, as George when Welcome when, to the last lap, there you Billy. Go. That's the first thing that George said to me when he found out. Welcome to the last lap. A, I good, feel like fr- a good friend of my Eileen Vernon, said that to me when I turned 50. She said, welcome to the last lap, George. Well, it changed my whole perspective because, like I said, I felt like I'm 30 years old, but now apparently it's the last lap. So, well, maybe not. (laughs) Well, I I have some unique New Year's resolutions for that reason. I want to get stronger spiritually and physically this year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push hard on the physical side this year and to get. Are you? What are you gonna do? What's the plan? Well, I kind of started. You know, about three months ago, I've been very good about going to the gym. Obviously, I eat well. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm gonna even cut down some more (laughs) calories. Can't you tell, George? (laughs) I'm gonna cut down some calories and so forth. I'm gonna cut down on the meat consumption uh, even more. So Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna get real healthy. Mm -hmm. We just had a little blunder in the studio. If you heard the little bang. But uh, so I'm going to try to get healthy, and obviously that means spiritually too. So I'm going to take up a little bit more prayer life, be a little more diligent about doing the rosary on a daily basis because mm. I tend to vacillate between rosary or chaplains of all good things. Yeah. But I'm going to try to get a little closer to Mary. Yeah. And uh, my patron, who is St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get closer to St. Joseph. Uh, you know, I do every November, I do a month long novena to St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. It's the novena to the, the basically the. Um, the garment of, of St. Joseph, the robe of St. Joseph. It's like sort mm-hmm. of a m- mystical uh, mm-hmm. novena. And uh, I do it for the previous year, the next year, you know, and it's always, St. Joseph's always been very close to me and he's always helped me out of a lot of binds. So I'm going to do a little more with St. Joseph because again, we're, we're so close. The terror of demons. That's exactly right. One yes. of his titles. So, <laughs> so that's part of my new year's resolution. Do you have any George, other than the fact that you're going to like relinquish clothes? It's 20 degrees out and he's in shorts, folks. He walks out <laughs> of his car to the studio in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, the weather's pretty nice. <laughs> Does it feel like winter really yet you know mm-hmm. uh but no um yeah actually i'm similar to you with the rosary billy the last uh last few months of last year i you know i've kind of got out of the daily rosary uh routine and i, I i'm getting back i want to i'm planning on getting back into it um uh, and uh what else uh fasting as well i think uh, the last yeah. few i don't three, know the last few months of the year fasting, yeah. yeah i kind of got you know i'm mean, gonna say the rosary three or four times a week as opposed to every day which i have done for quite a long time 
uh, but then fasting as well. So, uh, you know, I, that, think- that, I want to say something about that because George, um, I think it's fair to say that in his most recent cancer scans, there's no detectable tumors. By the way, this is a guy that in February of 2017 was, was diagnosed with stage four metastatic lung cancer, mm. and it was in the lymph nodes and through diet, prayer, and good drugs to the combination there. That's the key. Yeah. You know, he is cancer free right now, folks. And part of that was fasting because the data is now showing that fasting, when you do like a three day water fast, water only for three days, your body goes through a starvation mode. Your cells lock down and the body, the immune system starts cleaning up all the old DNA and broken damaged cells and all that stuff. So this is part of how we were engineered, but we don't fast anymore. So we lose this metabolic system. And then by day four, when you start eating, all of a sudden there's this burst of stem cell activation. So again, this is, I wanted to mention that because that's something I think we all need to incorporate into our lives just to be healthier. Yeah. You know, well said. Yeah. Even one day a week, you know, typically, traditionally Fridays are the day of fasting, right? So a 24 hour fast from dinner on Thursday night until dinner on Friday night, you know, and mm-hmm. you have one, one meal on Friday is very good for your, your your health, your physical health, and your spiritual health, too. No doubt obviously. about it. And the wisdom of the faith, right? Yes. And speaking of fasting, Billy, our saint of the month. Oh, Anthony. <laughs> yes. yes. Saint indeed. Anthony of Egypt, also known as Saint Anthony the Great, uh, who was the leader of the Desert Fathers in the 3rd and 4th century A.D. And um, he was a, a great ascetic, certainly not the first ascetic, uh, but he is called Anthony of the Desert uh, because he lived in the desert. And <laughs> That'll do it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, he was born uh, born and raised in Egypt, so there was a lot of desert around Coptic. to live in. He's our, one of our Coptic brothers. Yes. Um, went before it was actually Coptic. I mean, it was still part of the, just the, the Catholic Church at the time, I guess. He was born in uh, January of two, the year 251, and he died on January 17th. 356. So his feast day is January 17th. He was canonized pre-congregation, right? Now we have the Congregation for the Causes of Saints, which mm-hmm. didn't exist uh, back at the time that he was canonized. He is the patron saint of animals, skin diseases, mm-hmm. farmers, butchers, basket makers, brush makers, grave diggers, the Pontifical Ecclesial Academy, and Rome, the city of Rome. So most of what we know about Anthony was in a biography that was written by St. Athanasius of Alexandria, Alexandria yeah. right, in 360. So um, thankfully that, that book was preserved and translated. We have actually a lot of information about uh, St. Anthony. He was born to a wealthy uh, family of uh, landowners. His parents were Christian in Upper Egypt uh, you know, in 251, as I said. When he was about 20 years old, his parents died, and they left him uh, with the care of his sister. And he decided to follow the gospel exhortation in Matthew nineteen twenty one. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Mm. And he was convicted by that that biblical verse, and he gave away some of the family lands to his neighbors. He sold the remaining property and donated the funds to the poor, and and he placed his sister with a group of Christian virgins, and then he went off to live in the desert. Mm. And uh, and he did so for the next 85 years, basically. Uh, he lived until he was 105. And manual labor, prayer, and reading uh, became his sole occupation. He uh, battled with the devil in the desert as well. There's some famous uh, uh, 
you know, stories about the battles that he had. You know, he was attacked uh, the, by the devil with many different temptations. One was that after he went into the desert, the devil said, look at all the, you know, all the good works that you could have done with mm. the estate that you had, with the wealth that you had. And you gave it all away, and here you are now destitute and a loser in the desert. And uh, Anthony said that the devil, uh, you know, basically tried to tempt him away from what his vocation, the vocation God was calling him to. Uh, which was to be in the desert. And the fruits of that life later on, as we'll see, were far greater than anything that he could have done with the the estate that his parents had left him. Yeah, like polluting his good intentions almost, trying to turn him away with his own good intentions. Yeah, exactly. That's how the devil works, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, He makes something seem good at Mm -hmm. first. The great great tempter, then the great accuser, right? Liar, deceiver, Mm -hmm. murderer from the beginning, right? Um, And one of the things that that St. Anthony... uh, said about the devil, you know, is that the devil uh, dreads fasting, prayer, humility, and good works. He's not, and he was unable to even stop my mouth who speak against him, meaning when St. Anthony spoke against the devil, the devil couldn't stop him because he practiced all of those, um, all of those things. And an interesting thing, St. Anthony, he had a lot of famous sayings. So the Desert Fathers, became a community. So when Anthony moved in, he moved into an old Roman fort on the top of a mountain, and he lived there for 20 years. Oh, wow. And he uh, only ate bread, a little bit of salt, and drank only water. And he had no meat or wine. Later in life, he added a little bit of oil, they say. And he typically ate once a day. He would also go three or four days without eating. Yet he always appeared vigorous and cheerful at all times. So... Uh, you know, his body adapted to it. I think it's interesting to think in our culture, you know, how focused we are on being satiated at all times. <laughs> well, yeah, that, it, right? we, we go back to our, even even just uh, out of the spiritual realm, he lived to 105 years of age. 105 <laughs> years old. And when he died, um, he was never sick his whole life. All of his teeth, which I think was unusual at this period of time because they didn't have great, uh, you know, they weren't really dentists as far as I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said he had lost none of his teeth. They were just a little bit worn, you know, because they were preserved because he wasn't eating all the time and, and putting things into his mouth that would decay his teeth. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, he, so he lived in, the, in, in, and people started to hear about him living up in the mountain by himself, this life of solitude. And uh, a community kind of sprung up or, or around him. Like people, men would just come and live up there to trying to follow him and do what he was doing. You know, the life that, that he was leading was was attractive. And there were lots of people surrounding him. So at one point in the in the year 305, the age of 54, which I'm going to be in a few, uh, next week. Yeah, that's right. Um, birthday for George Rose as well, folks. Yes, he came down and he <laughs> and he kind of broke he broke his solitude for a bit and he st- helped establish the first monastery. So he came down for a few years actually. To help organize and instruct all the the people that had that had grown up in this desert community around him, and uh, he then helped establish other monasteries as well. Oh, yeah, and, th- and thanks to Athanasius' biography, it helped spur the mon- monastic movement into Western Europe. Totally. You know, so he he was sort of like, in a sense, a forefather of Western monasticism. Yeah. Well, by the time he died in, in 356, thousands of men and women lived in monastic communities in the desert. Mm. And as you said, these became the model for Christian monasticism. The rule of St. Benedict was strongly influenced by the Desert Fathers. 
Uh, and remember, know. Benedict literally saved the Western Church. So it's like you think Good about point, Bill. You think about <laughs> you think about St. Anthony's role. So mm-hmm. pretty pretty neat pretty neat stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing, and um, he he's a great saint. And uh, you know, his move into the desert uh, really had a huge influence on on the church, and even still to us this day. And one interesting anecdote was when he one time he came down to fight the Arian heresy. Uh, the bishops in Alexandria asked him to come, and he came down and spoke against it and spoke on the divinity. The Marian heresy denied the divinity, divinity of, Christ, of Christ, right? right? And he came and spoke about the, the Holy Trinity, and that was, uh, you know, what, what the true Christian faith was was based on the Holy Trinity. And he was in the city for a while, and the people loved him. They flocked to him. They came around. I'm sure he had this glow about him, and he was joyful and magnetic, and, you know, he was a great saint. And... Uh, and they asked him to stay in the city for a lot longer, but he said, as fish die if they are taken from water, so does a monk wither away if he forsake his solitude. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty awesome. You know, I want to tie together three saints right now really quick. Oh, yeah? You know, because the Arian heresy, again, almost destroyed the church because mm-hmm. what happens is that the, the barbarians all embraced Arianism. But we're, we're, we're right now in the Christmas season right now. And it's a great story. St. Athanasius of Alexandria, you know, it was, he wrote, in, in, you know, against the heresies, against Arianism, mm-hmm. you know, and it was oh, often said it was Athanasius against the world. So there's that great saint that wrote about St. Anthony who was fighting against Arianism. And then we have our great St. Nicholas of Myrna, our, our, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a great, who, who was the, in a sense, the, the, who inspired the, the whole thing of Santa Claus. Mm. As an old man at the Nicene Council, mm. St. Nicholas. Which was around this time. Right. Yeah. St. Nicholas literally heard Arius, the bishop, um, heretic bishop, st- uh, stand up and deny the divinity of Christ. And what did, what did this holy old saint do? He stood up and popped him in the face. Right. So there we have this little connection with St. Nicholas this time of year, Athanasius, who wrote about St. Anthony, who inspired the monasticism and actually saved the church in Western Europe, all mm. tied together. Amazing. It's awesome stuff. Wow. Thanks for bringing it all together, Billy. Yeah, yeah, You're good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we're going to have to go to a break in a minute. But before we do, I want to mention that on the 29th of February, we are going to have our... Catholic Man for Jesus Christ Conference. Yes, we are. That's right. We got some amazing uh, uh, speakers. We have Mark Teixeira of the New York Yankees. We got uh, Marcelina D'Ambrosio, the great Catholic apologist. We have Stephen Oth, who's the former CEO of Federated Investors and... Current chief investment officer. That's right. He's current. I formerly wrote um, an amazing book, uh, the uh, basically Missionary of Wall Street, which yep, we yep. interviewed him actually probably about six months ago, I would think, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yep. So amazing lineup. And so put it on your, uh, your calendars, guys. And wives, because I know you're listening too, get those guys there and get their sons there, 29th of February at St. Mary's in Middletown. St. Mary's in Middletown. We're looking forward to seeing you there. So we'll be back just in two minutes. Well, as a teenager, I didn't really see how relevant uh, religion was in my life. In my early 20s, I, I began to look at other faiths. Well, I, I understand as, as a Catholic that the things that I, were, I was given uh, at a very early age, those things never ended. They're still with me. That's what drew me back. Because the Catholic Church is, a, is worldwide, there are so many different types of people that come to the church and, and it's a place where I feel accepted for who I am. I'm where God wants me to be. And, and I feel like my life is, can be used for what He wants now. And when I came back, I said, Lord, you were waiting for me the whole time with your arms open wide. 
and I have come home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. Zero. That's how many Catholics the bishop from India told me were in his mission when he started there 30 years ago. How do you even start to make Jesus known? Well, that bishop began with his presence, a presence that reflected the heart of Jesus himself. Today, as a result of the witness of this bishop and those working with him, more than 4,000 souls have accepted Christ into their lives. Missionaries best proclaim Christ with their very presence. That is something we can do right here at home. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. Well, welcome back, my brothers and my sisters out there. This is Bill Maher, and I'm here with George Rose, and we're brothers in arms on this January 3rd, Friday, January 3rd. We just talked a couple minutes about the Anthony the Great, the great uh, mystic and, and desert uh if you will, monastic monk, if you will, uh, of the uh, leader of Catholic the desert Church. fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed, indeed. So, uh, Saint Anthony, certainly pray for us. We're we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world here, but locally, what's going on in the world is February 29th at Saint Mary's in Middletown. We have our Catholic Member Jesus Christ Christ Conference. We got Mark Teixeira. We got. Uh, yeah, D'Ambrosio coming, and we have uh, Marcelino yeah. D'Ambrosio, Doctor right. Italy, also known as <laughs> yeah, and Stephen Hoth, uh, the the uh, missionary of Wall Street author, uh, who we interviewed about six months ago. So we have an amazing lineup. Most importantly, we have uh, the guys of the diocese and beyond coming, and that's that's you know whenever those guys get together, the Holy Spirit is present. And that's what's most powerful. So get get those guys out there. Guys, come out, and ladies, get your guys out there. So uh, George, you got something you wanted to? Well, Bill, we are in the new year. It's always kind of fun to look back on the past year a little bit. And in uh, the National Catholic Register, they they mention some of the notable uh, departures, people who passed away in uh, 2019. Hopefully to the glory of God, right? Yes. Well, I'm sure Bishop John Smith, if you remember, he passed away last January at the age of 83. And he was our bishop uh, here in Trenton from 1997 to 2010. Yeah, I remember. I so, remember the, going to the conference and and then yeah. starting with the conference, and and the bishop would always be there. He was a big supporter. I always remember uh, he came up to the microphone one time and he, to give his homily. He looks out at the whole crowd and he goes, "Isn't it great to be amongst the guys?" <laughs> 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 he loved being amongst the guys. He was uh, a great supporter of of Catholic men for Jesus Christ. Um, some other people with Franco Zeffirelli, the the great Italian director who directed Jesus of Nazareth. He passed away. He also directed Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Tork. Do you know who that is, Bill? Died at the age of seventy-seven. Peter Tork. Yes, T O R K. Who's Peter Tork? From the Monkees. Peter Tork oh, from okay. the Monkees. Hey, yeah, hey. He passed away. You know, the Mr. Producers has a big grin on his face. He's like, I knew who that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, Richard Cole, 
died at the age of 103. He was the last surviving member of the Doolittle Raid on Tokyo. That was an amazing raid, too. You know, that was basically a response to Pearl Harbor, right? Yes. To get those yep. planes in we want to show the Japanese that we could strike them where it hurt. Yeah, they took off from a carrier with bombers, and they had to dump the bombers, land in China. It was all orchestrated. And a lot of them got killed, and some of them spent the rest of the war in prison, yeah. in Japanese prison camps which in was, China. Which was not a pleasant, pleasant experience. Yeah. John Paul Stevens, the uh, former uh, justice of the Supreme Court, uh, he passed away at the age of 99. Mel Stottlemyre, former pitcher, mm. pitcher and pitching coach for the New York Yankees, also for the Mets and the Houston Astros. He was uh, a great man. Uh, when I was the translator for Hideki Arabu, Mel was, uh, was the pitching coach for the Yankees, and he was, he was amazing. He was quite, quite a, uh, a great man. And he always able to connect with his players and and be who they needed him to be at any given time, depending on what was going on. You know, you hit a lot of slumps in baseball, and and Mel was great at helping guys through that. Frank Robinson, the Hall of Fame third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, he passed away. Mm. Julia Ruth Stevens, the daughter of Babe Ruth, she passed away. Oh, wow. I was about to ask you, who were we talking about? I I I didn't know Julia. I didn't know her Obviously either. Obviously, Babe, we knew. The Babe, yeah, the Babe uh, was his daughter. She died at the age of 102. Wow. And um, Bill Buckner, <laughs> who will live forever in the minds of Met fans. <laughs> yeah, you're not lying. You know, it's amazing. Uh, how old was Bill? He couldn't be too old. He wasn't that old. He was 69. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. And the fact that he was even 69 is like, wow. Yeah. It just it just Hard makes my imagine, right? makes my fiftieth and George's fifty fourth birthday feel even older. It's coming, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Hopefully, in fifteen years, we'll be say, sitting here saying, "Hey, can you believe it?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I have an interesting article out of CNA. Uh, it, it's 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 basically Cardinal Mueller, who was the former prefect for the Congregation. What of is CNA? Catholic uh, News Agency. Catholic News Agency, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. which is I guess affiliated now with the Register, or they bought the Register. I think that's that's the way that one went down. But Cardinal Mueller gave a, a homily at the Focus Conference, which is going on right now. Focus mm-hmm. is founded by Curtis Martin, our good friend Curtis Martin, who uh, spoke last year. Who at spoke our last conference. year at a conference, yeah, and that's the uh, basically the um, Catholic um, the college students organization. They they're expecting up to twelve thousand students right now in Phoenix, Arizona. It kind of hits home for wow. me because my wife, who's just graduating from Divine Mercy University with a counseling degree, was selected with three other people for Green Cross, which is the Academy of Traumatology, to be counselors at the conference because, you know, obviously you have 12,000 people. There's going to be some people that are, you know, suffering. Wow. So she's there right now uh, counseling people. But Cardinal Muller, um uh, had a really interesting uh, um, homily. Um, and it's funny because I read this article after my wife told me about it. She said, oh, Cardinal Muller gave this amazing homily. And he talked about the church cri- crisis comes from abandoning God, adapting to culture. So this came uh, January 1st is when he when he gets this. And, he, and he, some of the quotes he got were Oh, yesterday. Prepared. Yeah, yes. Oh, so he gave the homily yesterday. Two days ago. Oh, right. So, so the crisis of the Catholic, uh, the crisis of the church, <laughs> is man-made and has arisen because we have cozily adopted ourselves to the spirit of life without God, the cardinal told thousands of Catholics gathering in Phoenix. He says, the poison paralyzing the church is the, is the opinion that we should adopt to the zeitgeist, which is like the spirit of the age, German word, and not the spirit of God, that we should relativize God's commandments and reinterpret the doctrine of revealed faith. So basically, just the idea of abandoning 
ultimately the calling that we had. There's a really neat thing he talks about, uh, literally the Christian life being like a song. I, I found that to be a pretty cool quote. So he says, as Christians, we have a musical awareness of life. In our hearts resounds the song of thanksgiving, of being redeemed. Its melody is love, and its harmony is joy in God. And ultimately, he goes on to talk about how that, you know, in the Christian life, we have to recognize that there will be suffering and so forth. But ultimately, it is the path that brings peace. You know, the eudaimonia of, of, of you know, the Greeks, you know, that blessedness, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about this so many times, George, about how, you know, we're all easily distracted. We have so much technology. We have comfort everywhere. We have distraction everywhere. And that is absolutely the opposite of what we need often. We need quiet time. We need time to be able to hear the whispers of God because he doesn't come via, you know, a, a, mm. a, a headphone. He doesn't come on the, on the radio. He doesn't come on TV. You know, we, it's in the quiet places in our lives. And we need to seek that solitude in the spirit of maybe Anthony sure. or the desert. Sure. We, we need to pull ourselves away from the comforts of the world a little bit and, and refocus so that we can find that peace of soul, right, that, uh, that Fulton Sheen talks about, which is a relationship with God, ultimately. Yeah, sure. And I think, uh, you know, Pope Francis said parents should waste time with their children, right? And I think uh, wasting, I actually heard Father Ricardo speaking on, on this station uh, recently in one of his talks that, that we need to waste more time with God, right? And we'd be less efficient I think uh, Pope John Paul II wrote about that in one of his encyclicals. Mm-hmm. Um, that the uh, great, the 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 biggest problem with the culture of life versus the culture of death. What we, he said, what do you think is the most? Um, uh, I forget how he put it, but what is the the key? What is the key difference with the culture of death in our uh, versus the culture of life in our country? What do you think is the key characteristic of it? That's what it was. Uh, I, I mean, given our, our train of thought, according, I would say, and this is according to Pope John Paul II. Um, maybe that they're busy. <laughs> yeah, well, efficiency, yeah. right? The, and and uh, uh, pre and preoccupation and obsession with efficiency and time mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, right? Busyness. That's an interesting. B- which point. translates to busyness as well, right? The, you know, it's funny you say that, Father Tom, uh, pastor at St. William the Abbot, obviously my brother. He gave a really great homily. Um, two weeks ago and he talked about you know pulling away time mm-hmm. you know giving god time mm-hmm. and he and he said that you know we live in these busy lives right and i'm paraphrasing completely and we feel like we don't have time for prayer and he and he made a promise to all the parishioners he said listen if you give yourself some of your first fruits to god start praying more start spending time you know in prayer you will have more time in the end of the day to get other things done. He said, it's like a paradox. Yeah. It's like when you give it to God, you end up being more efficient in the end. And that, in a certain sense, maybe that's like a little gift God gives us, you know? Yeah. And, and I've noticed it in little ways in my life. Mm-hmm. It's something, maybe it could be another little New Year's resolution as part of that prayer to give maybe not just more prayer, but maybe some of the first fruits of my day mm-hmm. to God in prayer. Yeah, yeah, waste time with God, right? Waste time. It's like we all feel like we don't have enough time. Yeah, and then you gain more time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talk about efficiency, right? In a certain yeah, sense. let the creator of time give you more. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's really interesting. So, again, uh, again uh, a concept from John Paul the Great, once again. Yeah. John. <laughs> <laughs> we love him for sure, so... That's that's uh, it was a, it was a good article. Uh, you can you can find it on uh, cna.com. Uh, Billy, anything? something in here about um, also from the register about uh, a practice 
uh, of blessing blessing your home for the new year. So if anybody's interested in doing that, maybe they want to look into it. Three uh, I think we're going to try to do this. Yeah, it's it's something that's done in Poland quite a lot, believe it or not. It's um, over my door from last year. I have to is race it. it. You yeah. did, I think we spoke about it on, yeah. on air last year as well. And apparently they do it out in some of the Midwestern dioceses, right, where that Polish uh, influence is strong. And in Poland, it's actually mandatory to have a priest bless your house, which starts right on St. Stephen's Day, right after the day after Christmas and goes until February 2nd when the church celebrates the baptism of Jesus. But just so that you guys know that you can perform this blessing yourself. Well, I'm going to get to that. Yeah. Give me a minute, Billy. Uh, I'm giving it to you. I'm jumping the gun, folks. Jumping yes. the gun. Yes. <laughs> um, so you don't have to, you know, obviously priests are busy and there's not always so many, so they, they can't ble- probably bless every single house in a, in a parish. So you can do it yourself. And some, what I would do, though, is I would get the chalk that you would do this with blessed. So the tradition is that uh, you would take chalk, uh, blessed blessed chalk, and you would write on the lintel of your home uh, the initials C. It looks like a plus sign, right? Like C plus M plus B, which are the three, three initials kings, yes. of the three kings, the three wise men. Um and uh, it can also mean in Latin, uh, Christus mansionem benedicat, which means may Christ bless this home. And, um, and, and on either side of the C plus M plus B would write the year. You would, so you'd write 20 and another little cross sign mm-hmm. and then a 20 on the other end mm-hmm. with a little cross. So it would be 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 20. There's a great article in the registry. You could search it. Just do a, a Google search on blessing your home for the new year. And um, and it's a great way to start the new year. Put that above your lintel. Can I, can I give you a little, little bit of uh, advice, guys out there? Don't do what I do. Put a ruler up when you write this down because I, I actually made mine crooked accidentally and it annoyed me all year long. <laughs> <laughs> make a straight line. <laughs> make a, try to make it straight. Make straight the paths. <laughs> um, that, that's great. Uh, Bill, a little trivia question for you. What is the name of the three wise men? Can you name them? I'm uh, going to put you on the spot. Balthazar, uh, Caspi- Caspian. Caspar. Caspar, Balthazar, and so, what's the other one? It's uh, Malthazar. Mal- Malthazar, okay. Malthazar, there we go. yes. All right, he's putting me on the spot a lot, <laughs> folks. This is terrible. It's because I know you can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess uh, we're going to... Uh, we're going to go to break. Uh, that's some of the things going on in the world. There's so many more things. Go to the National Catholic Register, uh, CNA, and there's so many other great EWTN, so many other great Catholic websites out there and, and get news. And, and certainly uh, your local broadcasting here for local stuff in particular. Uh, but we're going to be back in a couple of minutes uh, with an interview with Anthony Brannon. We'll talk a little bit about uh, who he is uh, when we get back. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze. She got a really short haircut that she hated, and I wrote her a note and put it up on the mirror saying that she was a cute girl with cute hair. I got him mustard and mayonnaise for his sandwich when we were having lunch. Today we've actually organized a date night tonight. And silverware and napkins. Wasn't that wonderful? What have I done for my marriage today? Wow, that is a great question. I took the baby while she worked. I suppose I I, I didn't yell at him for anything yeah, at all. Done. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah, I've carried my wife's purse. What have you done for your marriage today? What have I done? 
I listened to my wife uh, when we talked on the telephone today. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. She really likes it when I listen. What have you done for your marriage today? Little things can make a big difference. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hardworking people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that persecute you. Forgive not once, but 70 times seven. We have to be honest, we have to be just, and we have to be kind and gentle. Listen to the wisdom of Father Benedict Rochelle weekday mornings at 9 a.m. right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers and sisters out there. George, notice I'm, I'm adding that and sisters all the time because I know you're listening out there, <laughs> ladies. Uh, this is Bill Martin. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. This is Brothers in Arm, and we're actually here with uh, our um, our special guest, uh, Anthony Brandon. Uh, and Anthony, uh, so so glad you're joining us today, this uh, Friday morning, actually, January 3rd. I don't know. It's, uh, it's <laughs> that's right. My birthday. Friday evening, Bill. <laughs> well, we're You're giving away our uh, recording sorry, time, folks. <laughs> What's up, Anthony? Uh, well, I, I don't know what my days and nights are anyway. So I wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> yeah, you're on anyway, night duty. Good, good you, to meet you, Bill and George. Good talking on it. You just had a uh, baby recently, right? Is that why you say night duty? Yeah, my yeah, I have a four-month-old uh, Nicholas. So he, uh, he well, thank God he's sleeping through the night. But I'm, I'm most nights I'm I'm up uh, on night duty and uh, keeping a watch on him. Oh boy, is this your first? It is. Yeah. <laughs> great, Christmas. Yeah, we, uh, great Christmas! Great Christmas having it, having a baby we're, we're around. Excited. His name is Nicholas, so this was his season, and uh, and my wife is Serbian, and in Serbia each family has a saint. And her family's saying is Nicholas, um, and it's a big tradition to celebrate that saint. They call it Slava, and and in the Orthodox Church, February nineteenth is the feast day of Saint Nicholas. So we went. We actually just got back from Serbia, celebrating there with the family and, and having Nicholas meet the family. So it's been uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks, but uh, a, a big celebration. Awesome, that, awesome. That is awesome. It's hey. funny. It strikes me real quick uh, that this is your first baby, and it's funny you say night duty. And I remember the first baby and how, you know, when when the pacifier drops, all of a sudden you're boiling it, and you know, oh my gosh, everyone's on yeah. night duty. And trust me, my friend. In in a few months, it's going to be there's no night duty. Baby sleeping, you're sleeping. Pacifier drops, you're yeah. rubbing it on your leg and sticking it in. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably good. <laughs> well, that's probably hey. a good way to be. Hey, uh, I wanted to just give the guys an idea of, of who Anthony is. Um, so Anthony's a Jersey guy. He just moved back to New Jersey after some time in California. And he's a Seton Hall uh, prep graduate. Local, played football local there. Boy. Yeah, local boy. Um, North Jersey. And he uh, he played football at Notre, the University of Notre Dame. Linebacker, huh? Was it middle or outside? 
over the years, it was all all positions. Um, I started out as a safety, and then my second year, I moved down uh, and played inside linebacker. But um, I, I was uh, inside for a couple of years and then outside for the last year. That's very neat. Yeah, and you play. Uh, Lou Holtz was coaching when you were there. My freshman year, yeah, I was there ninety six to two thousand. So I stayed five years, and and Holtz was the coach my freshman year, and um, which was amazing because I grew up a fan of Notre Dame, and and then to be coached by you know the guy I saw roaming the sidelines for the eighty eight national championship in those years, it was mm. just a, a real pleasure being coached by him. Yeah, and uh, for the next four years, we had. Uh, Bob Davey was our head coach. We had quite a staff though, during those years. A lot of the guys went on to become head coaches around the country. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just playing at Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, everybody uh, thinks experience. of the movie Rudy, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And and it's yeah. like playing it's like playing college football for the Yankees, right? <laughs> Basically, pretty much. Actually, a lot of people said that. Actually, one of our uh, um, football dinners. Steinbrenner came out and, and was the, the guest speaker, and he said he always felt that way. Yeah, um, wow. And I guess I guess he went to Culver Military Academy in, in Indiana, and that's where we held our summer camps, which was, oh, it, someone escaped in the laundry truck uh, just to get away from there to tell you what it was like there. But um, <laughs> Steinbrenner uh, said the same thing, and I was a Yankee fan, so I was always happy to hear that. Oh, that's great. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, and his, uh, Hal Steinbrenner, his son, who's the currently the, the general partner, managing partner of the Yankees, he went he went to that military academy as well. So, it's, a, it's a rolling campus. You should see that place. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. I'm but sure. But no air conditioning in the dorms, which in August, in, in two days, uh, is, is not ideal. Actually, w- one of the, the years, Holt let the players sleep on the floor in his place because it was air-conditioned, so that was... That was a little bit of a, a generous move on his part. <laughs> so after your playing days uh, were over, um, you moved out to California. Now you're, you know, we look at your bio on, on your website, Anthony. You're a screenwriter, actor, and a public speaker. And I know we were actually introduced by a mutual friend, Trent Beatty, from yep. the National Catholic Register. And uh, in the past year, you you were a producer for uh, the movie Unplanned. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about I, what does that mean when you're a producer? I hear producer all the time, but I don't really know what a producer actually does. How were you involved in the movie and, and making it happen? It could mean a lot of different things, um, from hands-on work to just uh, you know providing money for for a film. So originally for Unplanned, I was working. Um, on the marketing side, I was mm-hmm. building the website and and helping some of the uh, uh, strategy for the social media because I have a company with my wife and and that's what we do. We work in digital marketing. Gotcha. Um, and then as the movie was going along, there was an idea to possibly do a Kickstarter to raise, you know, to finish raising the funds. And then I transitioned when I realized that was the case. Um, I just transitioned. I said, you know, I, I think we could raise the money privately for for uh, finishing off the budget for the film. And so then I transitioned into that part. So uh, my primary role on the film was to, to find the, uh, the funding for uh, uh, to fill out the budget to make the movie. Well, sometimes wow. probably the most difficult thing uh, with a with a small movie like that. Mm-hmm. And, and what really turned out to be not small, you guys have changed so many lives 
with that film. The, the, the influence it has had and the, the whole Abby Johnson story is just unbelievable. So that's got to be gratifying on your end. Well, it is. I mean, you, you want it to get out there. And when you see that, that people are still hosting, I just saw yesterday um, uh, a church in, in Michigan is, is holding a private event and inviting people out and, and it's part of a series that they're showing when, when people are actively taking the role and making sure that, that everyone is having a chance to see the film, you know that it's impacted them and that they feel like it could impact others. And really that that's what you want it to do. And, um, you know, as, as my wife said, she just wants all teenage girls and, and young people to see it so that they have an idea of what abortion actually is. And, mm. you know, then it, at least they know what it is. And I think that's, that's what it does a good job of showing. And, and I was hoping in America, this happened more in Canada, but in America I was hoping it would, it would be spoken about more in the national consciousness because since Abby spent so much time on both sides, she could speak, you know, with some authority about both sides of, of, of the debate. And um, it, it didn't really go that way. The, uh, the, the pro-choice side kind of left it alone um, which I think is to their credit, because if it got into a debate, they they wouldn't be able to deny some of the the truth, um, you know, that that Abby was trying to expose about um, Planned Parenthood. But um, but regardless, I, I think you know many many people have seen it, and it is changing, affecting uh, the way they they view abortion. Mm. I think that was by design, right? Uh, basically. Uh... Planned Parenthood stayed away from this by design. If anything, they thwarted it quietly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they they didn't want to get into a, any kind of public forum where you know Abby Johnson's on one side and and you know they're on the other, and there's some sort of debate because how can you debate it? She she was in it for for eight years, and then you know the the only thing you could say in in some of these articles that you read about it is just trying to. Um, yeah, make it seem like she's telling lies. Right. Um, yeah, especially today, that with the technology we have, with the 3D uh, MRIs and all this this technology. I mean, it's so clear. It's a baby. So, and and I just think the consorted effort right now is to to keep this issue down, uh, to to not show those images and um, really snifle. Or, or, or any any potential argument. Snifle. That's yeah. a new word for me, Billy. Yeah. I might I might have I might have just invented it, but I'm gonna run with it. We um, we know what you meant, though. <laughs> <laughs> See, I never let a, a slip by Billy pass by unannounced, Anthony. No, just in case good. you didn't notice. <laughs> See, what, what George doesn't know is I'm I'm writing down all of his. And I'm gonna roll them out of one day. <laughs> Just waiting for that day. <laughs> <laughs> but so on, a, on a more serious note, though, with Unplanned, we've actually, as Catholic Member Jesus Christ, we've offered to sponsor a showing of the movie at Notre Dame High School, which is our local diocesan Catholic high school. And uh, we're hoping to get in there. And if we do, we'd love to maybe invite you down, Anthony, and you could pe- speak to the kids um, Absolutely. as well. That would be great. I would love to do that. We can also, uh, you know, we have our, our Catholic Men for Jesus Christ men's conference every year. It um, It's the last Saturday of February. This year we have Mark Teixeira on the sports side coming. But I tell you what, uh, we'd love to maybe put that in your ear for, for the future to have you come down and speak to the guys. Um, 
you know, it's so important with, with the men conferences and so forth. Uh, getting the guys together is so important because we're the, we're the head of the snake that's been cut off in, in this society. And, and guys, we got to get guys up and rolling because that's the secret right now. One of the secrets to really turning the culture around for sure. It really is. I, uh, I got involved with the Catholic Athletes for Christ out in California, and Father Willie Raymond was the one. He ran Family Theater Productions. Uh, now he runs Holy Cross Ministries, but basically Catholic Athletes for Christ was uh, was combining with uh, Family Theater Productions out in Hollywood, and, and they run a great retreat for, for ball players after the baseball season's over and then people of all sports. And, and at the time in my life, I... When he mentioned going to a men's retreat, I, it didn't sound appealing to me. Um, and he asked me for a couple of years, and then I finally went out. And it really has changed my life, mm. just the relationships. And I know you guys mentioned Iron Sharpens Iron. It's so true um, there and just learning from and, and seeing examples and seeing great father figures. You know, now that I'm a father, I could look to a guy like Mike Sweeney and... and uh, Jeff Supon and, and Ray McKenna and, and, and Dan Duddy and the guys and Catholic athletes. And it's just, it's been so fruitful in my life being a part of it. And I assume, um, you know, that what your guys doing is a, a true brotherhood too. Yeah. Dan is, uh, runs our youth section of our conference. He's a, uh, he's a great brother of ours, uh, down here. And I know, you know, him from the Catholic athletes for Christ experience, um, coach Duddy, sort of, a seminal figure in, in New Jersey sports. Uh, yeah. He's obviously retired now, but... Um, and Mike Sweeney, very first guest we ever had on this show. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, three, oh, really? That must have been a, a powerful uh, podcast. He, he's, uh, you can't keep him in a room. I'm, I'm curious if, if uh, on the podcast that comes through. <laughs> well, it does, because George and I didn't have to say a whole lot. Mike just ran with it and became... Yeah. In fact, he stopped the program at one point. Yeah, thankfully, because it was our first show, and we had like a mountain of material. <laughs> we didn't think we were going to have enough to talk about. <laughs> uh, we got the right guest for that. Boy. Yeah. He actually stopped the actual uh present an actual show and said let's start with prayer guys and he actually kicked it all oh, off and great. he's he's yeah. an, he really an amazing guy yeah he was awesome he truly is and, and uh he's uh anthony he's the heart of those retreats yeah go yeah ahead. yeah he is he's awesome i actually just just before the question i have for you he, he i just saw him at the winter meetings out in san diego and he's just super positive he's he's like um you know just seeing him for a few minutes just lifts you up for the rest of the day <laughs> And, and Anthony, but you also uh, in two thousand nine, you had mentioned to me um, you actually went back and played for Notre Dame again, right? With uh, with like an, an alumni team that went to Tokyo and played football, and Lou Col- Lou Holtz coached the team, and and you were there. I guess it's about ten years ago now, but that must have been pretty exciting. It was amazing. They they put together um, what they called the Notre Dame Legends team. You actually had to try out for it. Um, about a hundred guys tried out for fifty. Spots and um, the team, like you said, was coached by not only Lou Holtz but uh, Tim Brown and Chris Zorge and all a, a bunch of old coaches. And it was guys from their 20s just getting out of the NFL. Some guys still trying out for the NFL, and all the way up till their 40s. And we played against the Japanese national team, which was basically the all stars from their football league. And their league is designed around. Um, the teams are the companies. So, like, there's a Mitsubishi team, and oh, wow. um, you know, you know and, and different teams that are associated with companies. And they've been playing football there for 75 years, and and, they, and uh, global football. 
which is uh, run by Pat Steenberge, who was a Notre Dame quarterback in the 70s. He put it together, and he said, let's get this game in the Tokyo Dome. And it was amazing. It was amazing to uh, not only um, be coached by Lou Holtz again, but to, to put on the pads again, which I had only done. I thought my, my only opportunity to do that was going to be in film because I was doing football commercials out in Hollywood and, and trying to get into football movies and things like that. And that was the closest thing I, I could get. And then all of a sudden this thing came around and it was just an amazing experience. And to be able to travel to Japan, something that I wasn't on my radar at the time. It, it's on George's radar. I don't know if you know George's background, but he heads up the Asian operations for the New York Yankees. So yeah, he's that's in, what I heard. Yeah, he's in Japan quite a bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, every year I lived there for about five years in total. So I actually just missed that game because I think the game was actually in, was it 2010? <clears throat> the spring of 2010? It was, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just moved back to the state. So unfortunately, we were. We were like ships passing in the night. <laughs> I, I guess the question yeah, there is... That's crazy that that would be coming there. It, it, I think it's, uh, they've been there twice with uh, football games. I think there was one a couple years earlier than that, but uh, maybe the next one. And yes. I, now I think I should have started off by saying Ohio Gazanas. Very good. Very well said. Is that, is that good? <laughs> yes. means uh, good evening in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Anthony, you, you didn't answer the, the real question all the guys uh, across the radio waves want to know. Did you guys win? We did win. He started off the first meeting and he said, listen, this is not some pleasure trip. We're out here to win. Uh, and that, was, that, that was the first meeting. And, and what he did is he just ran the ball because their, their football is real wide open. So they, it, they're not big on linemen. Um, over there, it's more skill guys, and their skill guys are, are very skilled. Um, but he said we're just going to just run the ball, run. I think we passed maybe twice the whole game, and smash. And we wind up winning. Uh, oh, I think it was something like seventeen to three. Something so, smash mouth football. Game. <laughs> That's awesome. Chew, chew the clock up and win the game. So, Anthony, yeah. um, another question for you. you know, we don't have it's a few minutes left, but I always like to ask our guests this. So, your conversion story um you know you went to catholic high school i'm assuming your your parents brought you you grew up as a catholic you were raised as a catholic and all that but did, were you always like very devout or or how how did you know what 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 really what's your glory story what brought you close to god well there's a long answer there um but i'm irish italian from new jersey so of, of course catholic mm. um but we moved away from the Catholic Church uh, somewhere around seventh or eighth grade and started going to non-denominational church. Mm. Oh wow! And which you know, which which is very different. Which the whole family, the new world, the whole family. Yeah, well, my mom, and which brought the whole family. Okay, gotcha. And and uh, but at at the same time, all during those years, high school and college, I was at Seton Hall Prep, which has a great faith life and. At the time, um, many priests were teachers, and my baseball coach freshman year was a was a priest. Um, and then going from there to Notre Dame, which is one of the most spiritually rich environments I've ever been in. Um, everywhere you know you look, it, it's something Catholic, and and uh, and um, and overflowing really with students, faculty, everything. It's a part of. It's a part of the life at, at Notre Dame. Um, it, 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 
was always there. It was always a part, even though I was still going to a non-denominational church, even during those years, I still went to the Mass because on campus, every dorm has a Mass, and part of the social life there is, is going to the Mass, whether you're Catholic or not. It's mm. something you do with, with all the people in your dorm. So um, it, it just it, for me, it was just a natural transition, and I was able to, to still... Um, you know, keep keep up with all of the the preachers and the things and and the type of learning from non-denominational full gospel type of church and going to the Catholic Mass, which eventually I came fully back in. And um, you know, for me, I, I think if I'm to shorten the answer, when I became a lector, uh, it, it really brought me back into the church because I came from the back row, the back pew of the Mass to the front to really. Mm and appreciate and learn all the unique things about the Catholic Mass and the importance of it and the meaning behind it. And and I think that's really what, what brought me back. So would you say it was the Mass itself? It was. It was the Mass itself, absolutely, and, and, the, and the traditions behind it. Um, and finding out the meanings behind the traditions, because you could go through the motions and learn and memorize all the things that you're supposed to do during a Mass, but when you find out the meaning and, and appreciate uh, and learn to appreciate that, it changes it. It changed it for me. And so, yeah, absolutely was the Mass and, and uh, being a part of uh, communion and sharing in that with, with community. That's amazing because um, I'm just reading an article from the National Catholic Register about Devlin Hodges, who is a convert to Catholicism. He's now a quarterback at uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And he tells his experience when he was in high school, he went to a Mass as a sophomore, one of his friends. And it was the Mass, it was the Last Supper section, you know, do this in remembrance of me, all that, that brought him into the Catholic Church. So it's amazing that some of our greatest, if you will, the greatest features of the Catholic Church is the liturgy itself, you know, and, and we need to really embrace that liturgy and show that liturgy off. And it's a really good argument for us to really make sure the liturgy is as beautiful as we can make it. You know, that if you have the gift to sing, sing. If you have the ability to be a lector like you, be a lector. Get involved. Let's make the Mass beautiful. Yeah, Eucharistic ministers. I mean, there's so many things you can do that, um, you know, be, 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 you become a part of. And I hear you about sitting in the back row, right? So many of us, it's like our natural inclination when we walk into Mass to sit in, like, the back Especially third of the dudes, church. Especially dudes. Dudes yeah. in particular. <laughs> <laughs> sneak in and sneak out right after communion. That's what... That's I used to do. That's yeah, so awesome. Well, yeah. listen, Anthony, we really appreciate your time this morning. We've come to the end of the show. Um, we definitely would like to get you to our, our men's conference. Uh, I think you have a lot that you can share with the guys out there. So. Well, hopefully you can make it this year and yeah. come here, Mark Teixeira. Absolutely. So, I would love to. Want, sure, wonderful. God bless you and your ministry. Guys out there, be safe. Drive safe on this Friday, January 3rd. And welcome uh, 2020, guys. God bless.